They're so very well behaved and polite. If you would be finding your place in the book of Psalms, Psalm 98. Psalm 98 is where we're going to look this morning. And we've been asking the question, what child is this? As we've been looking at the scripture together, what child is this? Psalm 98 prophesied the salvation of God in Christ in his first coming. But then toward the end of the psalm, we see the prophecy of the second coming of Jesus, which is very interesting because this psalm was probably written prior to the exile, which would have been 800 years or more before Jesus ever came. Not exactly sure when the psalm was written, but can you imagine that it points directly to the Savior of the world 800 years before he came. And then it prophesies millennia before he comes a second time that he will come again. Hey, did you know that Joy to the World, the song that we're going to sing here in just a few moments, was never written as a Christmas carol in its original form? It had little to do with Christmas. It wasn't even written to be a song. It was a poem to begin with. Isaac Watts was one of the great hymn writers in church history, but he wrote one of his most famous hymns by accident. He didn't know it was going to be a hymn. It was simply a poem. In 1719, Isaac Watts published a book of poems in which each poem was based on a psalm, and Psalm 98 was one of those in his book. And he adapted Psalm 98... And so if you're turning there, you're hopefully going to get to read that in just a moment with me, and we'll see how it's related to the song. Watts interpreted the psalm as a celebration of Jesus' role as both uh, king of his church as well as king of the world. And more than a century later, the second half of the poem was slightly adapted and set to music to give to us as as a hymn and a carol, and has become one of the most famous Christmas carols that we sing, Joy to the World. But it's interesting that the words from Psalm 98, which inspired Isaac, to write, Isaac Watts to write Joy to the World, found their way into the New Testament, into the Christmas story, in a place that we might think uh, is kind of unlikely in Luke's Gospel. And uh, every time I, I encounter Matt McKee, even this morning, I said, hey, Mac, how are you doing this morning? He said, well, I'm fat and old. And uh, he said, but he says, fat and old around the world in most cultures means blessed and wise. And so I'm getting more blessed and more wise every single day. But this man in the New Testament, his name is Simeon relied heavily on Psalm 98 whenever he wrote his song about Christmas. When he saw the baby Jesus coming to the temple, he took him up in his arms and he lifted him up and he blessed him. And he said said these words that should be up there. I'm not sure if they made it. Hopefully they made it. Caleb, where are we at, buddy? Oh, well. I'm going to read to you. I'm just going to turn there. Luke chapter 2, Simeon lifted up the child and he said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. 
For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Now, those words are, are really a, a reflection on Psalm 98. And so let's stand together and let's read the words from Psalm 98 together. Hopefully we're going to have PowerPoint. It should be on there. Maybe it's not. Is it not there, Caleb? Oh, it's there? Okay. All right, Psalm 98. In verse 1, a psalm. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. I think about that in the new arrangement of Gloria. I want to sing the old version of Gloria. How many of you are kind of doing that with us when we sing that new version of Gloria? Want to sing the old one? The scripture gives us a command to sing a new song. And to learn a new song. And to think more and more deeply about what God has done. And he says, sing to the Lord a new song for he has done marvelous things. Hey, God never stops doing great things and that's why our songs never end. That's why we learn new songs. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of all the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord, let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and all those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Pray with me. Father, we are thankful for your word this morning. And Lord, we pray that as we read the psalm that our hearts would join in the chorus of all creation, worshiping you for your first coming when you came to be born as a baby, Lord Jesus. And then, Lord, your second coming where you will come to judge the world and bring righteousness upon the earth. Lord, we thank you that we can just have a peek this morning of what that will be like. Lord, I pray that as we leave from this place, we will live that truth out in everything that we say and do. That we will be filled, Lord, with the knowledge of your presence even now. Lord, if there's someone here today that doesn't know you've never has never bended the knee to the Lord, to the King of Kings, that they would do so today and surrender their all to Jesus. And I pray this in his holy name. Amen. You may be seated. So as we think about Jesus in the psalm and how he fulfills Psalm 98 perfectly, this, this prophecy that was written in Psalm that was written nearly 800 years before he came, how does Jesus fulfill that? Well, number one, the Savior of the world is seeking and saving. He's seeking and saving. If you look again with me at the beginning of the psalm, verses 1 through 3, we see the word salvation mentioned several times and this literally is the rescuing of the people that that God has rescued us so what is he rescuing us from well Jesus came to rescue us from our sins and the angel Gabriel told Mary whenever he announced to her that she would conceive and bear a son she told him that you will call his name Jesus 
We said to the children just a moment ago that the name Jesus means the Lord is our salvation. Now you think about that and then you think about Psalm 98 and how the Lord, the Bible says the Lord has accomplished salvation for us by his right hand and his holy arm. You might say salvation for your salvation and my salvation, it costs the Lord an arm and a leg. That's probably not a good way to put that, but I just thought it was funny. His arm. That's an interesting way to think of it, isn't it? If you could just, in your mind, you could just change, transform your thinking about the baby that's in the manger and just think of the arm of the Lord. Well, what does that represent? Isn't that a funny picture? Isn't it interesting that God would put it that way? And in the Old Testament, it's this way many times that God sent His arm. Now, if I, if I did my muscle, you wouldn't think much about it, but maybe Matt came up here, or maybe Taylor, somebody that works out on a regular basis, and they flexed for you, then you might start to get the picture a little bit, right? We say the arm of the Lord, that it costs the Lord His arm to grant us our salvation. We're talking about the power, the might, the authority of God came down and was humble in the form of probably the weakest thing you can think of in human form is an infant child. His salvation was accomplished through humility as a baby. C.S. Lewis said, Once in our world, a stable had something in it that was bigger than our whole world. Luke 19 and verse 10, when Jesus came and He, he was telling the people, this is why He came. This is, he said, this is why I came. And He said, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That, that was his purpose on this earth. He was in the world seeking people to save. And he accomplished our salvation on the cross. That's where he went for you and me. But the thing about it is, he's still seeking and saving today. There are people around the world, who are hearing the good news of Jesus and what He's accomplished for us, who are still being saved. And I want you to understand, that's a miraculous thing that's happening. That's an amazing thing that's happening. It's a powerful thing that's happening. It's not something to take lightly whenever someone puts their faith in Christ. It's not something that they did. It's something that the Lord Himself has accomplished by His own might and by His own glory. It's not something that you and I can accomplish. We tell them the truth about Jesus. He saves them with His mighty arm. And so He's seeking and saving. But secondly, I want you to see from the psalm, not only is He seeking and saving, He is worthy of your worship, of my worship. He is worthy of worship. But the psalmist doesn't just stop with you and me. The psalmist brings in all of creation and shows how all of creation is worshiping the baby that's born in the manger. He says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. You see that? Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre. That's, that's kind of like a guitar. It's a stringed instrument with the lyre and the sound of melody. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before whom? Before the king 
before the Lord. The righteous right arm of the Lord that the psalmist speaks about, that Isaiah speaks about. He is Jesus. And then we see the psalmist say, well, he is the king and he is the Lord as well. Someone said a thousand times in history, a baby has become a king, but only once did a king become a baby. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He's the creator of all of the universe. And whenever the Lord spoke and everything came into being, the earth began to resound with the praise of God. And when it's all said and done and creation is put back into order, all of creation will resound with the praise to the glory of God. He's the king of the universe. Now here's the question. Is he the king of my heart? Is he the king of your heart? Does he control what you do and what you say and what you think? Is he Lord over your gatherings that you're having this Christmas season? Is He the Lord over your conversations that you're having? Is He the Lord over your secret thoughts that you're having whenever it's quiet and it's still? If He's not Lord of all, He's not truly Lord of your heart. But if He's the Lord of your heart, He will be Lord of all. I wonder, have you made that place ready for Him this Christmas season? So that he may be worshipped and adored as he deserves. He is worthy because of what he's accomplished as well as because of who he is. But thirdly, and I know I'm going quick here. I was told I only had a few minutes. So I'm trying to abide by the rules that I was given. We're going to get through this quickly. The latter part of the psalm, verses 7 through 9, we see... That the psalmist shifts from what the Lord has accomplished and how he is worthy to be worshipped to now the fact that he is going to return. And this is what you have to understand. Joy to the world. The, the carol that we sing was written to almost inaugurate the king, to welcome the king, the king's coronation. And that's what the psalm is about. And, and what we understand is the baby that came the first time will return again. He came to save, but he will return as a king to reign in righteousness. He's coming again. The psalmist says, let the sea roar and all that fills it. Can you imagine whenever the Lord returns, all of creation just beginning to swell. And then just at one point, it just burst open with singing and praise to God. You imagine that day is coming, folks. Paul said the earth has been groaning, waiting the revelation. And then in the book of Revelation, it talks about how the earth will be rolled up as a scroll. The world that you know is going to change forever. It'll never be the same. And he says, let the rivers clap their hands. I can imagine all of the water coming together and just clapping together. And let the hills sing together for joy. The hills are alive with the sound of music, right? Before the Lord. For He comes. He comes. He came once and He's coming again. And we'll... 
Will He come again to offer us salvation? The Scripture says no. He will come to judge. The lost world has no problem with the baby in the manger. The lost world thinks that that's innocuous. I mean, what's a baby in a manger going to do to me? He can't command to me. But what they don't realize is that the baby that's in the manger is the king who is coming again. And he will come to judge the world. They will reject that kind of savior. The savior that can eradicate the sin of the world. And, and, and to be the Savior that can eradicate all the sin of the world, that means that He has to eradicate those who sin. But here's the thing. You don't have to be caught in that flood. He's offering salvation today. The Scripture says, Today, if you hear the voice of the Lord, do not harden your heart as in the, in the rebellion. For today is the day of salvation. Let me tell you folks, you don't know that you have another Christmas coming. You don't know that you have another, even another moment on this earth. Right now, you have today. We read a couple weeks ago in our, in our prayer time together, Billy Graham said, there's three days of the week that you can do nothing to change. That's yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The only thing that you can do something about is right now. That's it. You've been granted this moment. You've heard the gospel. You've been told what Jesus did for you. You know that He is the Savior of the world. You've heard it. It's clear 800 years before Jesus came, it was prophesied that He would come. Now here's the question. What have you done about it? If this same prophecy that says He came the first time and that the world has seen the salvation of God, the, the perfect, sinless Savior on the cross who came up out of the tomb on the third day. 500 witnesses saw him alive. He's been witnessed to for 2,000 years. If that scripture is true, then it follows that verses 7 through 9 are true as well. That he will come to judge the world. Are you ready for that day? Are you ready to stand before Jesus one day? Because He came as a baby the first time, but He's coming on a white horse one day. He's coming with angel armies. And He's going to have written on His thigh, King of kings and Lord of lords. And He's going to have a sword in His hands. And I wonder, are you ready for that? You can be ready for that. Surrender your heart today while there's time to do it. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Just as the, the candy cane represents the purity of Christ, He alone is the one who's never sinned. And so, 
He expects you, as you come to Him, to admit your sin and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And I deserve the penalty for my sin. But if you ask Him right now, you surrender your heart and you say, Lord, I want to be ready for that day whenever you return. I know that you are the Savior of the world. If you'll say that to Him right now, that He'll hear that prayer and He'll forgive your sin. So let me lead you in that. You, you just pray this in your heart and say, Lord, I admit to you that I am a sinner. That I've done what I know is wrong and I've failed to do what I know is right and I deserve the penalty for my sin. But Jesus, I believe that you took my place, that you came, you were born as a baby, you lived a sinless life, and you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you were raised again on the third day to prove that you were God. So right now, I surrender my heart to you. Forgive me of my sin. Make me a new person. And I will spend the rest of my life loving you and serving you as my Lord. Thank you for my salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, the Lord has heard that prayer. He's forgiven your sin, past, present, future, and He set you up for a new and wonderful life and a glorious life in heaven where you can have life abundant here on this earth. You have life and meaning and purpose. And all of those things. He's put His Spirit inside of you. It's a glorious thing that's happened. But it's not meant to be held in. It's meant to be shared. And so we're going to have our invitation. And this is your opportunity to come and share what Jesus has done for you. If you prayed that prayer, you come. I want you to stand with me now. We're going to sing our invitation song. Which is joy to the world. And you come. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. Living in nature sing, and living in nature sing, and heaven and heaven. Join to the earth the Savior reigns. Let men their song while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. The glories of His 
His love and wonders of His love and wonders, wonders of His love. Amen. Why don't you be seated, please? We got our deacons are going to be coming forward. Uh, we'll ask the deacons that have been designated to come forward and bring your candle uh, with you. Looks like Brother Sam has the candles. All right, so we'll give you one more opportunity now. If you did not receive a candle when you came in, we got a couple back here. We need to get them a candle. I think we still have a box of those out there somewhere. All right. So, Brother Sam, if you'll do this for me. This is, this is to represent that Christ is the light of the world. But then Jesus turned to his disciples and he looked at them and he said, you are the light of the world. And he said, for a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And what we're going to do is we're going to illuminate this place this, this morning with our candlelights. But it begins with Christ and how he is the light in our hearts. So, Brother Sam, if you would light your candle from the Christ candle... And then light your brother's candles. And then they'll take the light with them down the aisles. And they'll light your candle. And you'll light the, the candle of the person next to you. And that just represents the hope of the gospel. The light going out into the darkness of the world around us. Uh-oh. Don't drop it. Matt has reminded me that the carpet will be replaced next month. So, <laughs> balcony. Yeah. Don't forget the folks in the balcony, guys. Once you get others lit. Help light the others next to you. So once, once someone on the road gets it, if you'll just pass it along. You can pass it down the aisle. Joy says for yonder. 
Christ was born. Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Stand and sing us with us. Silent night and holy night and all is calm and all is bright round
been good to be in the house of the Lord this morning on Christmas Eve. I hope in all of your celebrations and everything that you do, that you keep Christ at the center of, of it all. That's what this light represents. And if you, if you think about what He's done for you and what He's put inside of you, and you dwell on that, then you'll be ready to share that with others. And I hope that you can do that. That's what we're going to do. We're going to take this light out as we march out. But when you get to the foyer, you put it out, okay? Don't go burn something down with it, but go take it out. You can put it out, and we'll drop it in the receptacles when we go out. But here's the thing. The light that's in your heart doesn't go out. We keep it shining, not just through Christmas, but on into the new year until the Lord returns. Amen. Let me pray for you. And we'll dismiss and we'll make our way out. Father, I thank you so much for everything that you've done for us, all that you have accomplished, Lord. Thank you for salvation that was purchased by the blood of Jesus on the cross. Thank you for the hope that we have that one day you will return to receive us. Make us fit and ready vessels to share that hope with others this Christmas season. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.